Hello everyone and welcome to the newest edition of the Vandal Scoreboard, formerly known as 4th and Downtown. I'm your host, Zach Kellogg. And I'll be joined today by Brayden Kane, where we'll take a look at Idaho basketball ahead of their matchups against Northern Arizona and Southern Utah. We'll also take a look around college basketball, our Super Bowl predictions, and also NBA news with Anthony Davis on the trading block. We'll finish things out, of course, with our Mike Leach Awards. Thank you for listening, and as always, go Vandals! Welcome to the first edition of the Vandal Scoreboard Podcast. Zach Kellogg joined today, as always, by Braden Kane. We talk everything Vandal sports on the campus here in Moscow and then other sports news happening around the country. But to get things started off, as always, we're going to talk Vandal hoops. Big weekend here. Uh, first up, we'll start with the men. Um, they are here in Cowan Spectrum. They play in the Kibbe Dome, essentially. Uh, they're playing Northern Arizona and Southern Utah. Braden. You cover this men's team a lot. You talk to Coach Verlin. Uh, first, let's go through the Northern Arizona game. What are the expectations? Um, well, Northern Arizona sitting at about seventh in the conference. Um, I think they're four and five. They're tied, I guess, for sixth with Southern Utah, both four and five in conference. Um, so they're uh, the Lumberjacks are a pretty balanced team, I would say, offensively. They don't have one standout guy who's going to get them buckets consistently throughout the game, but. Uh, they do have seven guys that average seven points or more a game. So, you know, you, you kind of got to be on your toes the whole entire game, and you, you got to pay attention to every player. Every dude, well, including a couple guys on the bench, can come in and score for them. Um, and then they have a really good shooter in a redshirt freshman, Luke uh, Avdolovich, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, yeah, I think so. He is the uh, number one shooter in the Big Sky in terms of efficiency. Um, he is 39 for 75 from the three-point line on the season. 52% is what he's shooting from there. That's very impressive. I mean, I say if you're shooting above 45% from three, you're definitely a pretty sharp shooter that needs to be um, – you, you need to keep an eye on a guy like that, you know, on, on defensively. And he also shoots 70% from the field overall. So, um, you know, they're, they have some guys that you need to look out for. I'd say he's their biggest threat or the biggest thing that could kind of hurt us in that game. Um, but, yeah, they're 4-5 and five in conference. They've won two out of their last three. They beat Portland State and Southern Utah, um, and they also – I think their loss was like Northern Colorado, so one yeah, of the top teams in the conference. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's it's hard to say with this team after watching last week's games. <laughs> yeah, that, that, uh, that was a tough road trip with the Sac State and Portland State, uh, yeah. just unable to really get anything going in those mm -hmm. games. Um, and then Southern Utah, they're 4-2 uh, in their last six games. They've beaten Weber State, one of the top teams in the conference, Portland State. And they've gone one and one with NAU. They've played them twice the last six games, so they're kind of similar to NAU as well. Just a real balanced offense. Um, luckily, they they had a five-star recruit transfer who was originally at UNLV. His name's Dwayne Morgan, kind of like a big post guy, but yep. he only played four games this year and he's injured for the rest of the year. So, um, but yeah, they're kind of just really balanced on that end. I'm pretty sure they have about four or five starters who average double digits. And, uh, you know, it's a revenge game for us. We actually uh, lost to Southern Utah last year in the quarterfinal of the Big Sky Tournament. We were the two seed, they were the 10 seed, and we lost by 14. You know, not a not a great way to go out. But, um, yeah, so uh, that game, too, it's hard to say what's going to happen. I mean, it, it all depends on how we show up. Like, in, you know, in those last two games we just played on the road at Sac State and Portland State, we shot 38% in both games. 
we only had three players score double figures combined in those games, and um, two of them were Scott Blakely and Jared Rodriguez. So Cameron Tyson had a real rough time in those games. We need to get to the free throw line more. We're getting out-rebounded. So seeing how we've been playing lately, I hope we can step it up and really change our uh, gameplay going into this week. So a little bit of a different schedule. It's Saturday, Monday, as opposed to Thursday, Saturday. So hopefully these extra practices can kind of get them a little, little bit more prepared. Yeah, uh, like you said, more practice. Coach Berlin probably putting in some new sets, trying to work the kinks out for this team. Because we knew going in this is going to be a rebuilding year, losing everyone from last year. Trayvon Allen really being the only kind of veteran leadership on this team um, outside of Nate, but he's out with the arthritis. And uh, the, the NAU and, and Southern Utah, like you said, they aren't super good, but they have talented pieces on there. Like Southern Utah, they have five guys averaging double digits. Oh, well, with Morgan being out, they have four now. But, I mean, that's still a super talented team offensively. Us, we kind of struggled defensively on the boards. This is going to be a huge test for this team. I think being at home and counting, that'll make them a little bit more comfortable. But I wouldn't be too surprised if we drop these two. Because, like we said, we're in a rebuilding. We're 1-7 right now in the big sky. I think this is just get these guys experience, get them ready for next season as long as everyone's there. And we'll just kind of take it from there. I think this season is just really taking it one game at a time, keep improving, and we'll take it into the offseason and improve mm -hmm. from there and just kind of carry momentum into next season maybe. And I definitely feel like this team feeds off of excuse me, Trayvon Allen's performances. He he was leading scorer in, I think, the Portland State game. One of them. He had 12 against Portland State. He didn't even get double figures against Sac State. So I feel like when he plays well, the team really responds, and they kind of step up their game as well. But, you know, that's just what happens when, you know, you have a guy like Cameron Tyson who's a freshman. He's going to have some inconsistent games. So Trayvon really is the guy that we kind of have to look to to spearhead our momentum and, you know, how we're going to play for those games. And that's just hard because he's – a pretty talented player, but I don't know if he can just kind of consistently drop 20 points a game Shoulder or 18 the load points every a game. game. Yeah, yeah, it's like, especially with him just being a junior and not having that role last season because how talented we were. This is an entirely new role for him, entirely new circumstances. So I think, like you said, like like as we've kind of been saying, it's just a young team. They don't really know, I say right now, their identity as, as a team. And that's just kind of what the season's for. Start figuring themselves out and just get ready for next yep. season when they only have, I believe, two or three upperclassmen. The rest will be sophomores. And plus with some new recruits that might come in, who knows? Like maybe next year we can try and make a run depending on this. You on never what happens. Know. I mean, we're going to see Cameron Tyson develop a lot more. We're going to see Jared Rodriguez. I mean, we're going to see almost all these players. The do we have any seniors? I don't even think we don't. We, we don't have any. Well, it was Nate, but he's yeah. not playing. So, so we have no upperclassmen yeah, in terms of seniors this whole season. team's coming back next year. So hopefully, you know, we'll get to see some big strides next year. But uh, so the women are on the road this week, Zach. They yep. have Thursday, Saturday. They have a normal schedule. They're also playing NAU in Southern Utah. Both those teams toward the bottom of the Big Sky. They're two yep. and seven. Um, what are your uh, what are you gonna what are you looking for for this game? What are you gonna All see? All right, first for NAU, they're tied for ninth right now with Southern Utah, kind of similar to the men's team. Uh, for for the for the women, uh, NAU, same as uh, this is the same for S or for Southern Utah. So I kind of group them together. They have stretches where they're really good on the boards and can shoot well from the outside, and that could pose problems for the Vandals. It's sure that the that the Lumberjacks and Thunderbirds they've been doing such inconsistency. They can't really stretch a couple of games together. Stretch a ton of time in between these kind of performances. Like first looking at the Lumberjacks, uh, Kaylee Paplo, she plays 37 minutes a game, seven rebounds, three and a half assists, almost two steals and about 15 points. But outside of that, they really don't have anyone else on that team except for that senior forward. 
Uh, Southern Utah, they're a little bit more balanced. They have uh, Harley Hansen, uh, Rebecca Car- um, Car- Cardenas, I believe is how you say her last name. And she's, she's a good player. I remember her from yeah. last year. And Jessica Chapman, who is a transfer from BYU. She had her first career double-double against Portland State, 22 points, 10 rebounds. So she has potential to try and have a big night. And that was against one of the best teams in the big sky. So Southern Utah might pose more of a threat on the road if they get comfortable at home. But talking to Coach Newley, he's pretty confident in his team's ability to go in there, do what they do best, play pretty solid defense, change things up on them, don't get comfortable, and have the Splash sisters, Gina Marks and the Clinker sisters, just really just dominate offensively, which they've kind of been doing the last few games. And the, I think the big difference this year between the – I mean, obviously experience when you compare the, our women's and men's teams. But, um, you know, the women have other players who can step up in a yeah. game when the Splash sisters might not be shooting the ball that well. Mm-hmm. I noticed Gina Markson and Lizzie Clinker both playing very good against Portland State in that down-to-the-wire 80-78 win that we yeah. had. So, you know, that's really – huge for the women to have those kind of role players start to step up. Lizzie Klinker's really finding that mid-range game, I noticed. She's really comfortable in that kind of area around the rim. And then Gina Martin's just been stroking from outside lately. Oh, yeah. She's done a really good job, I feel like, of taking over that point guard position with Allison Kirby out. Um, Yeah, and then the one thing I did notice was, like, I feel like Michaela Ferenc has a rough time getting started if she is not hitting her outside shots to start. I feel like she can't really, like – flip the script and say, okay, I'm going to try to get some points in the paint then. It's almost like she needs to knock down a couple from outside for her to get comfortable to kind of drive to the rim a little bit more. And I also noticed with Portland State's zone, it was difficult for her to find moves to make when getting to the paint. She yeah. kind of just like a lot of floaters, and they kind of they weren't falling for her. And well, yeah, because you had Courtney West, one of the best yeah. shot blockers in the big sky, just standing right there. So, it was, yeah, like you said, it's hard to get her going inside. And one thing I think is that, once she gets her shots going from the outside, defenders come out on more, and that gives her open lanes to the basket. Mm-hmm. So then if she's not knocking them down, they're going to be like, all right, we're going to give you some space. We're not going to let you drive. And that just makes it harder for her for a game to get going. But you're right. she needs. I think she needs to start getting more shots inside, start being able to flip the script, as you said, uh, for her just get going, get some points early in that game so she doesn't have such a slow start. And especially when I think you noticed this too, you know, Portland State, strict 2-3 zone. But they were definitely shadowing her with two players oh, the yeah. entire time. I remember if she had the ball in her hands, there were two sets of eyes on her, and they were both kind of following her. Mm-hmm. So in that case, all they're doing is making sure you don't pull up from outside. It's like that's when she needs to be able to know, like, okay, I need to get in the paint. And especially since I have an extra defender with a set of eyes on me trying to make sure you know that I'm not getting outside shots. So um, I think if she figures that out, it'll be a, a lot easier wins, I guess, against some yeah. of these teams. And I, think, I feel like they're yeah. going to catch on seeing what Portland State did there. Yeah, and I think one thing is also I've been really impressed with Natalie Klinker and her play inside. Oh, she definitely. Is, and it's like you said, with Lizzie knocking down her mid-range, and she didn't play the first half of the season. I don't think she was eligible until after the new year. And she's just come out just completely ready, been knocking down her shots, good defensively. And Natalie getting offensive boards, second-chance possessions, good rebounder, good shots inside. It's like she has been a really solid player because Isabel Haddon, a player we kind of – know and worked with she's she's a talented player can hit a mid-range she's kind of struggled defensively for that team so having natalie be able to come in and lizzie play have good uh solid defensive minutes uh izzy can come in and knock down some mid-range ever she had nine points in the second quarter to help kind of keep that game close it's like izzy can she's still a junior so she still has next year to improve defensively and continue to um expand her offensive capabilities so I think this team this season already really exciting, really good to watch. I think they could be not maybe just as good because they're losing the Splash Sisters, but they'll be still very good next season. 
because they're laying a ton of foundation right now for how this team is still oh, going to play in the future. Also, I also love the energy the Clinker sisters, Clinker sisters bring on defense. Oh, I feel yeah. like they really set mm-hmm. the tone for our team defensively. All right. Well, that'll be all for – or actually – We'll get your we'll get predictions on the women's game. How do you think they're gonna fare this week? Um, I'm definitely thinking two wins. I mean, yeah, I think it'll it will not be good news if we drop one of these games to a two mm-hmm. and seventeen. This is the time where you're getting in the bulk of your conference schedule. You need to show that you're a dominant team and that you're gonna you know continue to uh, play well and be a top team in the conference heading into the conference tournament. So I think that uh, they'll win these games, and they need to win these games and probably make it look good. Impressive wins, double digits, hopefully. It'll have to be a lot like that Sacramento State game, just complete dominance, start to finish. I think we'll get that. I think the same thing. Sweep, we'll get that dominance because if it's close, it'll be like, all right, guys, what do we need to work on? And with Coach Newley, they'll make those adjustments because they always do. They're just that kind of talented team Mm -hmm. that can able just come in the next game practice and be like, all right, we're working on this, we're going to prove on it, and they'll be fine. Definitely a a very good bounce-back week after that – Uh, close loss to Montana yeah definitely and we'll take a break right now and when we come back with the Vandal Scoreboard podcast we're going to talk about college hoops the NBA Anthony Davis news and also our predictions for the Super Bowl welcome back to the Vandal Scoreboard podcast Zach Kellogg joined by Braden Kane now picks for our co- now picks for college basketball. Um, first, we'll go over our, the picks that we had for last week. We had Michigan State at Iowa, uh, Kansas versus Kentucky, and then Weber State on the road against Montana. Uh, I went one for two. Braden, you also went one for two. We we got different ones though. Uh, first, Braden, uh, what, what were the picks that you got right? Um, so I picked the Montana game correctly. Montana picked up the win at home. It was let's see if I have it pulled up. I don't know if I do. But I, I, I think it might have been close. I can get to this real quick. Um, Montana won at home, 75-68, so a close game. But yep. um, it looks like Jamar Aiko, whoa, had a great game. He had 25 points, 10 rebounds. He had a double-double, um, 5 or 6 from the free throw line, 10 for 17 from the field. I got my Kentucky-Kansas game wrong. I picked Kansas. Kentucky showed up and played well at home. As did I. I picked Kansas in that in that yep. game, too. And I also picked the upset of Iowa over Michigan State. That was not even close. Um, they lost by, like, 20-something. Yeah, it, 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 was, yeah. It, was a, it was a bad so, game. So, one and two, you know, bounce back this week. Uh, yeah, same for me, one and two. I got the Michigan State game right. Didn't feel like that was going to be an upset. If we would have called it one game later against Purdue, we would have been just right on the nose. Yeah, Michigan exactly. State got yeah, rolled we're... against the Boilermakers. One game off. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I got the Michigan State game right. I also got Kansas wrong, and I picked Weber State in an upset. But those are going to go to both. So, we'll try, so like, we said, like you said, we'll try and do better this week. Uh, first up on the docket, uh, USC at the University of Washington for a Pac-12 matchup. USC 5-2, and two, uh, UW 7-0. and oh. um, Initial thoughts for this game, Braden. How do you think it's going to go? Um, you know, UW, a little bit more favorable team being at home. Um, USC's tied for second in the Pac-12. They are 5-2, and two, and they are also – and they are – sorry for taking some time – 12-8 and overall. And UW is 16-4 and four undefeated in the Pac-12. I'm taking UW in this one. Um, they've just been – you know, the Pac-12 has been kind of up for grabs this year. No – 
you know, standout Arizona team, no standout UCLA team, especially with Sharif O'Neal being down for the entire season. Mm-hmm. Um, so UW's kind of just stolen the crown so far this year. And uh, I really like Noah Dickerson. I think he'll be a big impact player for them. Second leading scorer on the team, he's a 6'8 forward from Georgia, I'm pretty sure is what it said. He is uh, averaging 12.8 a game. He grabs about 6.5 rebounds a game, and he shoots 56% from the field. So I like – he seems like a real efficient, down-low type of player who really, you know, um, doesn't take the bad shot. I feel like he yeah. he likes his shots around the rim and uh, seems like a real physical dude. Yeah, for you, I'm picking UW as well. Uh, Jalen Noel, the leading scorer on that team, um, I think he'll play a huge part for UW coming out here with a win. It being at home, uh, USC, they dropped the, that road trip, their two losses to Oregon and Oregon State, who aren't – great this season Oregon's pretty good yeah, Oregon nothing State special no, yeah nothing amazing so I think that kind of hurts them they are on a three-game winning streak though beating the Arizonas and UCLA um but I think Jalen Noel he's averaging 17 points a game this season 5.2 boards three and a, about three and a half assists shooting well from from the field so I think that he'll lead him to a win I'm picking UW by about nine to ten points mm-hmm. some other good notes for UW two-point loss at Gonzaga that's one of their four losses that's an impressive game to me um, they beat Texas A&M, mm-hmm. you know, not a bad SEC team. And then their two losses, their two other losses are to uh, Minnesota by two, 68-66. Once, uh, I think every team in the Big Ten is pretty talented. Yep. Um, and then they also lost to number 13, Virginia Tech, by 12. So yeah, one of those is a ranked game. Another one is just a, you know, pretty talented Big Ten team. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason why I like UW. You know, they have legitimate losses and how they played against Gonzaga. You can kind of see – the type of performance they can put on as a team. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Washington becomes ranked here in the next couple of weeks if they I mean, continue they to go to. on a win streak. Like, if they beat USC handily, I don't think that that will happen per se. But if they do and they start going on a, I'd say, 1-2 game, start winning those, if they're 10-0 and in the in the Pac-12, I think they have to break the mm-hmm. top 25 because pretty much from, like, 15 to 25, that's always up for grabs, yeah, always definitely. shifting. So Definitely. Speaking of Gonzaga, that's our second game. Yep. We're kind of keeping it in the Northwest this week. Gonzaga at BYU. BYU's uh, second in the uh, West Coast Conference. They're five and two, thirteen and nine overall. Who do you like, Zach? Um, I'm taking Gonzaga. Uh, that that squad is just so good. Uh, Hruchimara, um, or Hachimura, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> the the guy over from Japan. He has just been so amazing this season. It's just so weird how Spokane, Washington, is such a recruiting hub for some of like the best wings and post players to to come through college basketball. And he has just been so fun to watch this season. Granted, BYU, they, they have, uh, I believe it's Tyler Childs. I'm, I'm like, uh, Yoli. Yoli Childs, uh, my bad. He, he's averaging 22.5 points. He's one of the top scorers t- in the nation. 10 rebounds. Like, yep. he is, this won't be like a blowout. I'm still taking Gonzaga, despite it being on the road. I think they're going to still remain. Um, they're 6 0 in the West Coast Conference. I think they'll pick up a win because they're just a better overall team. But BYU, this will be a close game. I think it's just a three-point win for Gonzaga. Okay. And Childs will have a big game, or he'll probably have up or mid-20s, possibly upper-20s for BYU. This mm-hmm. will be a really tight game you want to keep your eyes on. Um, I'm taking um, Gonzaga as well. Um, the reason I kind of picked this game for one of our picks this week um, is, you know, this is like one of the only other tough teams that mm-hmm. Gonzaga has to play in the West Coast yep. Conference. BYU is consistently a competitive team for Gonzaga. They're going to Provo. I know they packed that um, arena pretty well. And uh, like you said, Yuli Childs, one of the top 15 scorers in the nation. He's kind of like a Jabari Parker type of build, uh-huh. you know, kind of mm-hmm. not 
not in, you know he doesn't look like you know Paul George or anything like that. He's more you know a little bit of a thicker build, but um, yeah, he has an outside game for you know mostly being used inside, so that's definitely a threat. But yeah, Gonzaga is going to take this win close. I'm I'm agreeing with you on that. It's yep. going to be a close game. I will not be surprised. If BYU can pull it out. Oh, me neither, yeah. I think they're going to, you know, this is the game they look to, they look forward to on their schedule every single season. So, But I just want to note, too, so this three-game stretch for Gonzaga, I don't think it'll be easy. So they got at BYU um, on the 31st, which is uh, tomorrow. Or is it today? That's tomorrow. Today t- We're recording on the 30th, so this will air on the 31st. Okay. The game will be playing. Yeah, so they play at BYU tomorrow. Then they have to play at home against San Diego, who is probably another one of those, you know, like they can always, they always give uh, Gonzaga um, a tough game. They always mm-hmm. can try and keep it close. So that one can got, can go either way as well. Yeah, you're right about and that. Then, and then they have another home game five days later against San Fran, the only other team that played them somewhat close. So you know Gonzaga better buckle down right now. You know what? And then they play St. Mary's. Right I was after just that. about. To, I was like St. So Mary's. That team they, is always they always got a, dangerous. They got a four game stretch. Actually, this this ending schedule for uh, for Gonzaga might it be a little tough. tough now that I'm looking at it. it so. If they go undefeated in the stretch, there's no reason why they shouldn't be number the, one or you get the top seed going into March Madness or something. Like, or if if then going into the Pac-12 tournament or I, into the West Coast Conference tournament. I would say the only cakewalk games they really have in the neg in their remaining schedule is Loyola Marymount, Pepperdine, and Pacific. Yeah. So they're gonna have to play BYU twice, San Diego twice. St. Mary's twice. So we're gonna have to keep our eye on Gonzaga for the rest of this way out because th- this this part of their schedule, as you said, will be really interesting in conference play. But these teams aren't pushovers. They always give Gonzaga a tough time. If Gonzaga is able to pull this out, this will make their case a lot stronger going into West Coast and, mm-hmm. and in, in March Madness. Gonzaga is completely writing their resume for the bracket. I say oh, with these yeah. with this last part of their schedule, so they need to come out and impress and um, really prove that they deserve a number four ranking. Mm-hmm. And now next up, we're gonna do a Big Sky matchup. Good rivalry game coming up. Montana State hosting the Montana Grizzlies. Uh, Montana State five and four right now. Montana seven and two. Braden, who do you got in this game? I'm I'm gonna you know I picked Montana. I was confident in them last week. I think I'm gonna go with the Bobcats in this one. I like oh, I like really? you know whoever has the uh, home advantage for the rivalry game really has an edge. I feel like, and I know both of these schools have very passionate and big fan bases for their basketball programs you know montana state's five and four they're fourth in conference but tyler hall is a third leading scorer in the conference averaging 20 uh, points a game yeah 20 a game he's shooting 40 43 percent from the field I, I think that they step up i think him and harold frey step up okay. and uh, they pick up a quick win against montana and uh i think it'll be a really good game though, a really exciting rivalry game see i'm picking the grizzlies in this one uh seven and two I picked against them last time against Weber State and did not go well for me. Granted, that one uh, was at Montana, but even with this one in uh, at Montana State, I'm still picking the Grizzlies for this one. Um, Rory, 16 points a game, three and a half rebounds. Uh, I think he the 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 Grizzlies are just really well rounded, same as the Bobcats. But I'm just giving them a little bit of an edge. Seven and two. I'm just kind of it's it's really a toss like it's. It's going to be a tight game because rivalry games are always close. Neither team's really going to give up. But I'm thinking Montana in the fourth quarter, they're going like a 7-0 run, something like that. Get the lead a little bit wide, and then they'll win the game by about five points. I feel like hitting some more free throws down the stretch. So I'm picking Montana in a real close one. Okay, okay. Um, so I wanted to bring this up. How do you, how do you like Tennessee 
Tennessee, <laughs> number one in the nation right now. Um, they did uh. had they had some close games this past week. They played. I know that what was it? Uh, Vanderbilt that took no OT. Yeah, Vanderbilt was the game that was we we were kind of watching that one. Like we were talking, we were like yeah. like wait, this game is getting close. So they last week they took uh, Vanderbilt took them to OT. Um, Tennessee on the road at Vanderbilt. They won by five in overtime, and they just smacked West Virginia in the Big 12 SEC Challenge and just picked up a 22-point win against South Carolina. But I, I like this team a lot. It's it's hard to watch them do well because Rick Barnes used to be the coach of Texas. So, yeah. <laughs> um, But, you know, he's done this stuff before. I remember in, um, when Kevin Durant was at Texas, we were actually one of the first programs in a while to have both our basketball and football programs be ranked number two at the same time. Yeah. But – um. Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield, I really like these guys. I feel like they are the type of dudes who can take their team deep into a March Madness run. Okay. Um, there are definitely some, uh, I don't know, you know, beefier forwards, mm-hmm. like muscular, I would yeah. say. Kind of like, imagine Zion, but, you know, just really cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously they're not 6'8", 280, but there's some big dudes. Um For sure. And, I, yeah, I really like them. Grant Williams averaging, like, 20 a game. I'm pretty sure he hit the bucket to either tie the game to go into overtime or to give them, like, the lead in OT against Vanderbilt. So, I Yeah, I, I can't remember right off the top of my head because I was working that day. So I kind of, like, just yeah. got score updates as it was going on. So I didn't get really get a chance but, to watch it. But for Tennessee, they have really impressed me this year. After dropping that one to Kansas, I was like, ah, like, I don't know still, about them. Still a legitimate team. Still a legitimate loss. But, like, I, I lost a little bit of faith in them because I'm not so high on Kansas. So I'm like, ah. Eh. Kansas is a good team, but still a legitimate loss. But Tennessee, they've kind of proved themselves. They won the tight games. They've been rolling through everyone else, as a number one team should do. And so I think they deserve the number one spot over Duke. Um, Jordan Bowen, another player on the team, and Jordan uh, Bowden, both really good players, too, uh, rounding out the some of the starters for that team. Uh, Bowden averaging 10.9. Bowen, 13 points. Shooting from the outside, they're a little hit or miss. Not super consistent for those two guys, at least. But this team is still very good. I I need a little bit more from them because they have been rolling. I want to see them in another tough matchup, see how they do. But, yeah, I'm liking from what I see from Tennessee this year. I think they could be a good, like you said, a team that makes a deep run in March Madness mm. if these guys continue to play at the high level they are. But it's hard to peak. I feel like they're peaking right now, and how long will the, this peak will last will determine how well they do in March mm-hmm. Madness. Because if you peak at the wrong time, you might get knocked down the 32 or Sweet 16 going into the tournament. They definitely have some tests um, mm-hmm. with the remaining and, and their remaining schedule. They have 10 games left. Uh, their last seven of those 10, they have four ranked opponents currently that are you know they're ranked right now. But yeah. they have four ranked opponents in those last seven games. So yeah, and it's at Kentucky, at LSU. Kentucky at home, and then Mississippi State at home. And then Auburn's their last game, and Auburn has been ranked. You know, they've been in and out of the top 25 all yep. year. So, um, yeah, I mean, so you, you'll get to see some tests from them definitely going down the stretch. I would not be surprised if they drop one of those games to Kentucky maybe. Um, you know, Calipari loves those big moments, big games, and obviously yep. prepared his team well enough to play against Kansas last week and uh-huh. pick up a win. So, yeah, but I, I think Tennessee's legit, and um, you know they might they might be one of my picks and one of my brackets this year to to take the whole thing. We'll have to talk about that more when when March Madness gets a little bit closer. But yeah, real tough schedule. They play Vandy again that time at home, and then they play Auburn. The Auburn and LSU games. The fact that they're nine a.m. on a Saturday, I think that might play a factor. Both of those on the road, mm-hmm. so that means they're traveling the day before. Yep. Uh, short practice, short night rest, up early. I'd say around seven a.m. Already in practicing, getting ready for the game. 
those are two games that could potentially be upsets for the for the Vols. So once again, this Tennessee team, I like them, but are they peaking at the wrong time? That's the one thing I'm worried about for this team because mm-hmm. I feel like that's a legitimate thing with a lot of teams. They they do really well, but they just peak at the wrong mm-hmm. times. We'll have to see what happens though. So we brought up Murray State last week, and mm-hmm. I was saying that I think I could see them making it to the Sweet 16, maybe farther. They just picked up their first conference loss since we last recorded our podcast in the past yeah. week. Um, lost to Belmont, a good I like. I think they're the second be- other best team in their conference. So yeah. not a not a bad loss, but they did lose by double digits. Um, uh, you know, I don't think it's a it's a huge thing for them. I think it's okay to drop some competitive games in conference play when you're kind of one of those. Uh, sleeper mid-major teams you know mm-hmm. but uh i still like john morant a lot the dude's still been going balling hard going oh, going he, hard he is so. Just so he's just one of those players you just watch uh he's he's starting to pull past zion for me as being one of the probably the best player most exciting player like how you're kind of saying last week that it was like you were kind of saying i was like i don't know zion's a little bit higher now he's starting to get up there for me like he is just he's been, starting to play better for sure like he is throwing him down now he is knocking him down from outside He's shooting 33% from three, but, I mean, 24 points a game. He's the primary ball handler of that team. Like, his shooting strength is going to go down a little bit. But, man, he is – he's going to be a top-five pick without a doubt. I think he has to go to the draft this season because he is just playing so freaking well. Mm-hmm. I I still think – if we're going to talk about Zion, I think that his game is not going to translate immediately or as quickly as people think it will in the NBA. I don't okay. know if he's going to be averaging – 15 plus I'm not sure if that's uh um, yeah a reality for him I don't know okay. I just feel like he's such a man among boys in college basketball right now that he just bullies himself into the paint and he's good at finishing you know when you're 6'8 280 you got a good touch around the rim I just feel like he needs I need to see more basketball skill plays I get that he's just mm-hmm. a freak of nature when it comes to his athleticism but ball handling shooting you know getting his own shots, creating his own shots. I feel like he's good at driving to the rim, like I said, because he just bullies people when he gets down to the paint. But can't, can you do that when you have LeBron James guarding you or Paul George guarding you, like a legitimate guy? Or like Kawhi, or, like, exactly. or you got a good center inside squaring you up as you're driving, mm-hmm. like, and you're going to take him one-on-one? That, it's I like, this, are, yeah. Is Zion going to come into the league and try to back down Giannis and LeBron? No, yeah. he can't. He can try. I don't yeah, feel yeah. like he'll be that successful. I think he'll get like two buckets a game. But that's only four mm-hmm, points. But I, I want to. I'm excited to watch him play in the tournament when it's okay. If Spotlight. you're Zion, show me that you're Zion and, t- and take your team deep into the tournament. Yep. And really, you know, average what he's been doing already, 24 plus. So I feel like he is more athletic. R.J. Barrett, much more skilled, skilled basketball player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Zion, I had the same feeling when he was in in high school and went to college. I was like, oh, in high school, like you said, man among boys. He's just boying. He's doing the same thing in in college. But I've been saying this. Since that first game, it was against Kentucky, right? Their first game of the year. was that? I think so, yeah. They destroyed him. Yeah, where they destroyed him. Everyone was saying, oh, Zion, he's going to translate so well to the NBA. And I'm like, he went one for one from three. All of his shots were from inside the yep. paint mostly, outside of maybe one or two jump shots, and he missed most of those. I'm like, going into the NBA, Giannis, I feel like, is one, maybe one circumstance where he can just drive inside and score. But he can pass. He can defend. He can make his own shots. He's shot. a playmaker. Yeah, yeah he, exactly. He, he can has great court vision. Giannis, that's an entirely different kind of freaking nature. See, it, it, and so Zion will be, like you said, it'll be he. I get feelings that he's gonna be, like you said, he's gonna be athletic. He's gonna get. He's gonna average 
12 points a game his first season because he's going to drive inside. 12, seven boards, eight boards, maybe yeah, something like that. Yeah, but it's like teams will start figuring him out. They'll start scheming for him, and athleticism doesn't just win you games when you play with the best people in the world at that sport. He will, whatever team he goes to, it really depends on who drafts him. Like, if he goes somehow, if trading up for him is the freaking, I'm trying to think here of a team that saw, like, if the Raptors, like, trade just, like, half their team away to get Zion, they got to get coached after, like, Pop gets him mm-hmm. or Eric Spolstra. It's like, they can develop him, work on his shooting, actually, so by his third or fourth season, he's a legitimate star in the league. But if he goes to freaking, I don't know, the, the Grizzlies, mm-hmm. they aren't super good at developing a ton of talent. They've had some buzz. Gasol and Conley, in terms of the Grizzlies, are really mm-hmm. the only two stars. Remember the Chandler Parsons deal? They had huge hopes for him. They thought he was yeah. going to be great, and that's a huge waste of money. So I think it'll depend on the team he goes to, and he will, if he does great in the league, good for it. It's great for the league. But if he doesn't, it's going to it's gonna sting for a ton of people. And bringing up the whole Giannis thing, same thing with Giannis. Did he come in and make an immediate impact in the league? Oh, no. Was he, you know, Mm-mm. doing Luka Doncic-type stuff or, you know, players like, like that that are rookies? Yeah. No, he did. It took him time. To like three years to get exactly. really be a good player to in the get league. To, so I feel like Zion is going to be good. He's still a top five draft pick, but I feel like it's going to take a couple years before. Well, we're like, okay, this dude is, you know, he's an all star now, like in the league. So, and the other thing too is, you know, Zion is the dog on the court. Whatever court he steps on, whatever team he's playing, he's the dog. He's the dude on the court. Yeah. You come in the NBA, you you really want to go it's up different. and be challenging Stephen Adams, you know, ten times a game, Demarcus Cousins. Anthony Davis, you know, these big, you know, real I mean, dogs like, like of the Jared NBA. Jared Allen, like, he's pretty lengthy, but he has been blocking everybody this year. Mm-hmm. It's like more and more guys are being better shot blockers in the paint in a league where we mostly see five-out offenses or four-out one-in. Mm-hmm. But they're still legitimate shot blockers, like legitimate defensive specialists. Like, you're really going to try and go up on Boban when he's on the Clippers? Like, yeah. you're really going to try and go up on that on that monster of a man sitting at, like, 7'6", or whatever it is? I'd like to, I would like to see him try to bully and posterize Ennis Cantor or Steven Adams down low. That would be I – w- I would love to watch that. We'll get it next I'm season. I'm saying I mean, it's not possible, but those are some of the big, you know, physical dudes that are down low in the league. And, yeah. you know, you don't really see them – how often do you see them getting posterized? It's not that often. Yeah, it really it, isn't. Not so. that often. All right, so now transitioning. We're going to keep talking NBA. But the big thing coming out, Anthony Davis requesting a trade from the New Orleans Pelicans – Team's now up for grabs, starting to put packages together, trying to get him before the trade the, the trade deadline in February, which is just about a week away. Mm-hmm. So a real short window here. The Pelicans said they aren't going to trade him unless they're blown away by the offer. I think that's kind of dumb because you want to get something for AD instead of having him just be unhappy another, for a year and a you half. You don't want another Kawhi Leonard situation. Exactly. Where, or, yeah, you're trying to trade him. It's like, well, shoot, like what are we going to do? He's got half season on his contract. Yeah, or if he says, well, I'd rather not get hurt and be ready to win a – Championship next year. Exactly. All right. So, Braden, who do you think has the best chance of getting Ka- or uh, getting Anthony Davis, and what will they have to give up? Well, you know, obviously, LA is the thing that everyone's talking about. It seems like it's the main spot he wants to go to as well. I just hate that I that they feel like they need to give up Kuz, Ingram, and Lonzo. You know, I don't like Ingram, so I would love to see him go. But <laughs> I feel like you need to keep guys like Kuz and Lonzo, who kind of have seemed like they're a great fit for your team. I'm like, I mean, is there, you know, are, are the other players on the Lakers just that much less valuable? Like, could you not get away with an Ingram? I mean, I'm not, I'm not really sure what the Pelicans' needs are necessarily. Um, everything. Yeah. Like, 
like Drew Holiday's good for that team. Uh, Jalil Okafor's been balling out lately. Like he's had like five straight games of like almost twenty points and like twelve boards. But I mean, they're they're AD has been their only star from the time he's gotten drafted till now. No one else has really been there to be a second legitimate star for him. So it's like the Pelicans. They're just trying to go. I think get a head start on their reboot. Honestly, and it's like and it it really like stinks to see that Rondo already played in New Orleans. So I feel like he's just kind of out of the discussion for. And I don't. I feel like his value is just not. No, no. It's, Especially it's, since he was injured this year, he's not as uh-huh. hot a commodity as he once was. So I don't know if they could get away with like Ingram, KCP, or Josh Hart, and then. I don't know. Maybe you throw him Javale. You Even know, then, maybe JaVale, you throw him Tyson on, Chandler. Or those guys are just on one-year deals, though. Veteran minimum. Like, and good I don't point, know if that, yeah. I don't know if that'll make the money work because AD's making twenty-five mil this season, mm-hmm. just this season. So he's making another twenty, like another twenty-plus next year. It's like to get that money to work. I don't know how. I don't even know if the Lakers what they'll have to do. To do they'll have to trade legitimately their three young core they're trying to develop, and it's like. Then it's like then you're just playing for now. That's not what LeBron came here to do. He came here to build this team. He, he signed a four-year deal. He didn't sign a one or two-year deal. He signed four years. He's like, I'm gonna play with these guys. We're gonna win a championship by two or four. From two to four, we're gonna win championships. We're gonna be good by then. Mm-hmm. If you just throw that all away, you're kind of screwing your fan base over. And I've seen Laker fans. They are like, they do not want to trade Lonzo or Kuzma Ingram. They're kind of on the fence about some of them. But yeah, like, so many of them are just like keep our core that we're building here like exactly. why would you just trade all this all these draft picks we've worked so hard to develop and just throw them away because they've already mm-hmm. traded away like Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. Yep. and all those other young guys that were on that team last season it's like it, this is going to be really interesting to see where AD goes mm-hmm. and looking at other places he could go um I mean for the east obviously the Celtics is always a talk but you know yeah who would who who could the Celtics offer? I think you have to give away Horford. Oh yeah, Horford to make the money work. I say I was thinking Horford, Hayward, and then either Tatum. I would say probably Jason Tatum, and then probably one more player, and may or maybe two draft picks. First I, round. Picks. I would go Horford. Um, who did you say? Hayward. Hayward Gordon because because I say that makes the money work. Is just those mm-hmm. two guys on big deals. Hayward, and then I think it's between um, Terry Rozier. And oh, okay. I, I I would send I would send Jalen Brown over Tatum. I keep Tatum. Oh yeah, they they want to, but the Pelicans they they might want Tatum over Brown because Tatum has a higher ceiling. It's and true. So, and one what if they trade? Is it what that if they, big of a difference between the two? I feel like Jalen plays. I like Jalen. Yeah. I, I, like I feel like he's a really underrated player on that team. Tatum, he just he's just such. He kind of gives me that Kobe feel, making his own shots, can knock yeah. him down from the mid range and yeah. three. But Jalen, I feel like he still has a high ceiling. He's still pretty freaking good. I feel like he can be almost a Kawhi Leonard if he starts picking up defensively a little more. He'll be like the exact same player. Mm-hmm. But what if this? What if the Celtics trade Kyrie away? Because Kyrie's been talking to LeBron, maybe hinting at leaving free agency, maybe get a jump on it, get an AD. But do you think there's an outside shot of that happening? So getting both of them? No, yeah. So no, trading Kyrie for Anthony Davis along with some other things for – for that trade. Sending Kyrie to the Pelicans. Yeah. No, I don't know. You don't think so? No, I think Kyrie <laughs> – I think they bring it up to him and he'd be like, I, New Orleans? Like, no. You know, like that's – if he wants to go somewhere, if he wants to leave, it, the, the all the talks are it's, he wants to go play with LeBron. Yeah, it's either it's, yeah, it's either the Lakers, the Knicks, or Brooklyn because he wants to play either in New York or with LeBron right now is what it mm-hmm. appears like. But, I mean, 
This I, is a crazy NBA. Like anything can happen, man. I, I, but, I think I think it was on the Will Kane show where they brought this up. I, I was watching something on ESPN. I can't remember exactly what it yeah. was, but they brought up sending AD to the Nets. That would be interesting because they have some good. They, they, have, some they, saying, good they have a lot of good young talent. It's just the money. That's the one thing I'm worried about for Lyceums is getting that cap to work out. I mean, the Nets do have some cap room. They don't have a. T- they don't have really any max level deals I can think of. Because they have Mozgov is gone. I'm pretty sure and. Russell is still D'Angelo Russell isn't on a crazy deal I think think yet so let's see so you know you you have some really good young guys on this team that people kind of forget about Karis LeVert was looking like he was going to be a potential most improved player of the year until he had that unfortunate injury um, D'Angelo Russell averaging 19 and a half a game 6.4 assists he's not playing too bad this year um, Spencer Dinwiddie has been a big surprise over the last you know year or so. Um, they have Joe Harris, the forward from Virginia. Jared Allen's a solid player. Damari Carroll. They have Shabazz Napier, Allen Crowd. They have a they have a young young team. Oh yeah. So I could definitely see some moves to maybe maybe throw them. Ah, that's the thing. It's like what big name players could they send that way? Exactly. That's. Because if you're if you're New Orleans, you hold all the chips. Like you just trade for whatever you want to trade, and I mean, what it appears like they're trying to reboot, and I think the Nets would be a good option. Another name being thrown out there is Milwaukee. Maybe get Thon Maker, Malcolm Brogdon, Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. Maybe a first round pick. Mm-hmm. If AD doesn't work out, that'll Eric be Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe, like this, that'll be an interesting. Situ- this is going to be an interesting week. We'll we'll see what happens next Wednesday when we record this and see if any deal has been made. I don't know though. It'll be very interesting. Does it's a trade deadline? That's before the All Star game, right? Usually, yeah. Yeah. It's usually, the All Star break is the deadline. Because I remember, like, uh, what was it? it? Wasn't last year? It was two years ago when Boogie Cousins got traded when he was in New Orleans and he got traded to the Pelicans. It's like, yeah, that'd be kind of interesting to see that. Like halfway through the All Star game, like they get a call, like, "Hey, AD, you just got traded to the Lakers. Here's a New Jersey. <laughs> we'll word out there. Let's see. What, let's see what you can do." Uh, one other topic I, I kind of want to bring up. How impressive to you is James Harden's scoring run as of late? James Harden, he's one of the best scoring players we've ever seen in the league. It's not – it's impressive, don't get me wrong, but I think everyone's kind of – it's because, like, really on that team, no one else really is there offensively for them. So it's like – and Harden's an isolation player. He's going to hold the ball 95% of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, all of his points are unassisted, so he's, he's just having the ball iso, putting up shots. I don't know, like, it's amazing to have that kind of scoring run score this many points in this span of time. But, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of James Harden as of late, mostly because of the defensive liability. If yeah. He's not on in huge games, like in the playoffs. So, I mean, it's impressive, but, I mean, it's not like, all right, he's the best player in the league, like, 100%. Like, I'm going to say I love James Harden. It's like, no. My my thing is, um, Tim Laigler came on the Will Kane show, and he was saying he just – he doesn't allow the Rockets to play basketball, the art that basketball is. Apparently, if he doesn't have the ball, he's mostly just sitting on the perimeter. He's not really moving. He's not setting screens. Yep. He's not within an offense, really. Mm-hmm. It's uh, move the ball around, eventually get it to Harden, and um, have him do an ISO play. But the other thing I want to just say, what I wonder, is what if the Rockets are just uh, not showing everything they want to show and you know, coming in the playoffs if they're like, hey, if we're you – know, winning the majority of these games the hard and playing like this why should we show a lot of the stuff we're going to be running in the playoffs so that's okay. something i've thought about all right yeah that, that could be interesting 
And now transitioning to the biggest game in football. This Sunday we have the Super Bowl in Atlanta. L.A. Rams versus the New England Patriots. Should be New Orleans Saints, but, you know, that's one thing. Uh, it's not, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, all right, Braden, break this game down. Who do you got? Um, I think the Patriots are going to win, once again, just basing my decision off of precedent. Tom Brady does this all the time. He's in his element right now and playing in the Super Bowl. Um, plus, I think it was a big mistake for um, the Rams, like, He's a backup corner. He's not even a starter. But Roby Coleman saying his remarks about Tom Brady that he said, basically saying he's not the same player, but he's still good. But like, he's, he's still a threat, but he's not the same. I'm like, you, dude, you just made the biggest mistake. Like, it's Tom freaking Brady. He's got the best memory of all like, time. And he just, he'll remember that until he retires in 10 years. It's like, did you not hear, you know, all the commentary after they beat or after they won the AFC championship? You know, they're really, like, they're driving motivation on this playoff run is we're too old you know we're the underdog exactly like, we're out like, of our we prime. can't do it anymore i'm like why are you you're just adding more fuel to the fire roby coleman and it's not helping your team out i don't feel like but i feel like patriots win close game good game um the only way the rams can pull this out is if jared goff really shows up and plays to the caliber or better that that brady is playing in the game for sure. I, I'm picking Patriots, too. I'm, I'm a Seahawks fan, so I don't want either of these teams to win. <laughs> this is like the worst Super Bowl I could have pictured, really. But I'm picking Patriots because I'm taking experience over stars. Definitely. Like, what is this? Brady's ninth Super Bowl. He's gonna he, he's probably going to get his, like, sixth ring. It's going to be – the Rams, they have just so much talent. I would say in order for the Rams to win, like you said, Jerry Goff is going to play out of his mind. They're, like, 350 yards, three touchdowns, mm, maybe one Just efficient, pick. yep. And then Todd Gurley's Todd Gurley's gonna have to have a hundred yard game, or combined with Gurley and Anderson, they're gonna have a you know have hundred and fifty rushing yards, mm -hmm. two touchdowns. Defense is gonna have to play amazing, have a pick six or something like that. They're gonna have to play their best game of the year. Aaron Donald, the amazing player that he is, he's gonna be a huge X factor for the Rams on if they can get to Tom Brady, make him uncomfortable. Because that's one thing. Tom Brady is almost never uncomfortable. He just sits in the pocket and picks mm -hmm. apart your defense. If Donald and Sue can get pressure on him, get like, I'd say two sacks apiece, I think the Rams can win this game. But mm -hmm. I think Brady and that line and the offense and the defense just plays just well enough to get wins. Yep. So I think Patriots win by about, I'd say by about five, four or five points. I have a feeling it'll come down to a, another Tom Brady game winning drive. It's kind of the, the vibe I'm getting. So that's what I think will probably happen. It's Pats have the ball last, they score and win. Um, so Tom Brady. Still been saying he's sticking to it. He's gonna play till he's forty five. Yeah, he said regardless of this game, I'm I'm not gonna retire. So and so so here's here's the question I ask. So that's four more seasons after this year. How many more Super Bowls does he get in those four seasons? Oh my God, I would say at least two. Two it, in those four, not including this one. Oh, not including this one. I'd say at least one. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking that. if he wins this one. Then he'll win at least one more because I think he'll have like a down year. Well, not a down quote unquote down year. They'll go like eleven and five again yeah. or whatever, and they'll lose but like the if, semifinal. Or but they're then. gonna start like if Brady if he plays amazing this game, it's gonna be like all right. This draft we need to pick up wide receivers. We need to pick up because we already got running backs. We need to pick up a new tight end. Just retool this offense. Make a big free or make a good free agency signing. They'll make another Super Bowl run next year. The year after that, mm -hmm. if Brady somehow some way shows where in this game like if he gets sacked four times and he's just like i can't do it. like it's so sore like i can't move i can't throw he'll play next year obviously but 
I feel like that's why he is the player he is, though. Like, when when a lot of quarterbacks do take that sack, he has the IQ to either hit the dump off or he's – I think he's, he's really good at throwing the ball away and avoiding contact, and especially with all the new super soft rules for the quarterbacks and, yeah. you know, when they get hit, I feel like it really benefits and it uh, gives him an advantage knowing that, hey, I can get the ball out quick on a quick throwaway. Yeah. Right before Eric Donald's driving me to the ground, bam, 15-yard flag. Everyone's mad. Everyone's saying blah, blah, blah. You yeah. know, uh, you know, it's all because of the quarterback penalties. Mm-hmm. And and plus, you can't blitz Tom Brady. You you have to bring f- four because mm-hmm. if you bring five or more, you're leaving man, man-to-man coverage or someone open in a zone, and it's like Brady's going to find them and pick you apart, whether he's a check down or someone who got open 20 yards downfield mm-hmm. like Edelman on a streak or a, a post route. It's... So, yeah, like like I said, Fowler, Donald, Sue, they're going to have to have huge games. They're going to have to shut down the run, which I don't know how you're going to do on the Patriots. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to do really well in getting to Tom Brady and making that line look bad. That is the only way the Rams can win, and that's just the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Like we said, Goff's going to have to play amazing. Gurley and Anderson have to run everywhere. No drop passes from Cooks or anyone else like that. They are just going to have to be solid i think the rams are gonna have to have a um, live feed of tony rimmel's commentary if they want to oh, yeah, win this what, game that's what wake phillips said they just direct link up yep. to the side it's like all right what are they doing romo <laughs> he's like oh yeah whatever like yeah romo yeah why, why can't he do that when he was in the league we'll never know well speaking of tom brady for our mike leach award or i'm going to keep talking about him okay the headline that uh i found <laughs> is uh Pittsburgh TV station fires employee for calling Tom Brady a known cheater. So I guess this guy working for KDKA TV in Pittsburgh puts up a graphic when Tom Brady's um, on the screen for probably just, you know, preview of the Super Bowl or something. And he yep. he puts the graphic known cheater, you know, as, as if, you know, most people would put, you know, New England Patriots quarterback or five-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. He thought it'd be funny to put known cheater on there. Uh, and it got him fired. I get I get a real sense of a internship type of person doing this, you know. Yeah, it's not someone that's been there for ten years, but it's like it's it's some young kid I feel like who you know. Or maybe it was just like some guy. He's like, you know what, I'm I'm leaving here in like two months or whatever. He's yeah. like he's, he's like I'm he's like I'm gonna go out in a blaze of glory and and have, tell tell my man Tom mm-hmm. Brady off with with a little graphic action and and if if people are in the dark, he's referencing the whole Deflate Gate. All that stuff in the past of you know the Patriots cheating supposedly. and like Spygate, yeah, like and, yeah. But the thing is, one thing I kind of noticed, like we're kind of another another whole topic here, is that like teams do that. They try and gain every advantage. The Patriots have just gotten caught. <laughs> it's, it's like when you really think about it, it's just like most teams probably yeah. like do some shady thing. It's like the Patriots just got caught, so it's like yeah, it's like they're cheaters and like we can label them. It's like they've done bad things. Teams do this. It sucks. No one likes it, but it's, it just happens, you know. Yeah, I definitely feel like whoever did this did it for the uh, clout aspect. Oh, he, so. his his fifteen minutes of fame already <laughs> gone, probably. But probably in bars in Pittsburgh, he's going to be a huge, huge star for years to come. Big old hit uh, for my Mike Leach Award. This one not as funny as the route we usually take, but Alex Smith, uh, uh, Washington Redskins quarterback, broke his leg this last season. Mm, gruesome, just Gru- real hard it was to a lot, watch. A lot like that Joe Theismann injury back in the day when actually uh, happened. Lawrence Taylor on the same day. Yeah, on I the ex- it was the exact same. It was the anniversary. The anniversary I mean, Theismann of it, was like, which is like, so ironic. Yeah, and yeah, so people might know Joe Theismann, old Redskins quarterback, sacked by Lawrence Taylor, great defensive end, snapped his leg. I believe he almost lost. Like he that was a gruesome injury, and he was done mm. for his career. 
intro to the Blindside movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then Alex Smith, so he was out the rest of the 2018 season, but they said they're, he's, he will probably miss the rest of the 2019 season. This, you don't see this in, the, in today's NFL with, like you said, the rules we have, having these kind of injuries. And this puts the Redskins in a hard spot because do you pay this quarterback who has a broken leg in his 30s? Or do you just try and give up on him? And that's, that's $96 million you're pretty much yeah, trying to decide on right and now. I, I think he's done. I don't know if he comes back from this. Uh, that's this late in his career. Um, and get, you know, getting the same injury, like the injury he had, just really hard to come back from as a quarterback. I'm not sure if it was, if it was on his planting leg or not. But well, that, yeah, regardless, it's going it's yeah, to inhibit you him. You use both quite a bit when, you're, you know, when it comes to the uh, footwork of a quarterback. But yeah. – uh, just really unfortunate for the Redskins. You know, RG3 looks like a franchise quarterback, gets hurt. Yeah, he, Never the he same busted player. his knee, and then Colt McCoy, they got him from San Fran. They're like, all right, maybe this guy can be a backup. Yeah, turn. He can't do anything. The, the guy that won it for him was, like, Josh Doxson, I think it was. And that was his first win in, like, five years because yeah. he's been out of the NFL for that time. It was like the Redskins, they are in a tough spot right now. They, they got to I mean, trade up to, to grab someone in the draft. I mean, something. Yeah, it's just really unfortunate what happened to Alex Smith because I've, I've kind of I liked him in Kansas City. I liked him in, in I like not him when too. he was in San Fran, but like in Kansas City, what he's been able to do in Washington. I was like, all right, yeah, he's he's just a good player. All right. Mm-hmm, so I'm expecting to see a uh, rookie quarterback for the Redskins next year, probably. Or for sure, or trying to get a big free. It might get Flacco. I mean, he's hitting free agent. Yeah, uh, that, that's a whole other topic, whole other discussion <laughs> yeah. for another day. All right, everyone, thank you for joining us on this edition of the Vandal Scoreboard. Zach Kellogg joined today, as always, by Braden Kane. You can catch Braden's work on Inside the Vandals. Check that out on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, Inside the Vandals. You can check out my work, Zach Kellogg, at thevandalnation.com or at uiargonaut.com. Check out my work, sports reporting, and all that jazz, also on Inside the Vandals with Braden. Uh, Thank you for listening, and we'll see you all next time. And as always, go Vandals.